Hello, everybody. It's your host, Jack Healy. And today on the Gotham Sports Machine, we're talking New York basketball with my co-host, Mark Healy, and our guest, Justin Fensterman, the senior NBA analyst for FantasyAlarm.com and the host of Alarm After Hours on SiriusXM's Fantasy Sports Radio. How you doing today, Justin? Oh, I'm doing great, guys. Jack and Mark, NBA season starting less than a month from now. I'm getting ready for my fantasy drafts, of course. And with that, guys, it's all happening so quickly. And I'm excited to see what's next, especially for both of these teams that were playoffs, essentially. Now they're contenders in New York. I- yeah, Justin, you know, I, I you know, it's, it's funny uh, when I think about you know, what the Knicks have done this offseason, and some people have looked at it as running it back, and some people haven't been crazy about it. But, uh, you know, I, I know Jack and I uh, have been pretty confident about what the Knicks have done so far. Uh, what, Where do you think, if you had to pick one of the acquisitions, uh, the newer acquisitions that the Knicks have made uh, over the offseason, which would you point to as being the one that plays a key role as we open up the season? I think Kemba Walker, it's not a huge commitment from a contract standpoint. We know what this guy can do. He could be when he's healthy, and we know he's fully healthy. One of the best guards, and from what we heard in the introductory presser, I don't know how serious it is at the time, but they're planning on not having him rest, which will be very interesting. And having Derrick Rose off the bench definitely helps. I feel better about a lot of the other signings because they got Kemba Walker. And I think – the reason why a lot of New Yorkers aren't happy is because they'd want the flashy player. They want someone we talked about months ago, Damian Lillard. And where's Damian Lillard right now? He's still on Portland. So imagine chasing that narrative and then ending up with nothing. So they chase the narrative a little bit and they still sign some players. Now, the Evan Fournier signing, I told you guys, I was very unhappy with despite the stats that he put up. But I think, as I also said, I that makes me a lot happier and more accepting of the Evan Fournier signing now that Kemba is there. I think that they have someone that can create on the ball, that can hit shots. And when you're looking for someone that can take over a game at times, that's something that the Knicks haven't had in a very long time. And I think that Kemba Walker will be that guy at times regarding that his knee doesn't fall off in the process. He has had his issues with staying healthy over the past two years, but he still played over 40 games both those seasons. I mean, it's not a lot, but it's a good sample size of what kind of numbers he would play and he would give the Knicks if he was the same player with banged up knees. And I'm taking 19, 20 points a game. Like it's a, it's a big step up from what you were getting from Alfred Payton automatically. Oh, 100%. Alfred Payton. Look, I'll say this about Alfred Payton. I admired his quickness, but I didn't admire his shooting ability or lack thereof. And I liked what Alfred Payton brought defensively. I think he taught Barrett a couple of things. But at the same time, you know, when you're looking for a more complete guard, if you're not going to get a Damian Lillard, then you have to debate someone that I brought up to both of you before, Terry Rozier, who ended up getting paid. So, With that, I'm seeing what Terry Rozier is getting paid. I'm seeing what the Knicks are paying Kemba Walker. And I think it's a pretty sweet deal when all is said and done. The only thing I really worry about this team is on the front court because I worry about how much firepower offensively they truly have. Because, guys, 
Mitchell Robinson doesn't excite me. He's always getting hurt. He's raw as hell. He doesn't have a move to the basket. I know that this guy can easily block two shots a game, but outside of that, he's just so raw and he hasn't been on the court enough to really hone his skills. So I'm not very excited about that center position still. I was actually going to get to that at some point because I don't know if you saw the video of him or just the pictures of him recently. He's put on 40 pounds since coming into the league and 20 pounds of muscle. And he's looking big. And if he can stay on the court, Julius Randle was hyping him up again with a quote saying he looks good and he looks good in the gym and he could be a weapon for us. I, I don't know if he's our starting center, but I definitely like what he this the play style he brings is very similar to Nerlens Noel. And Nerlens Noel was great for us last year. If he can be the defensive presence that Noel was in the paint last year for us, we're going to be a very good team again because it started in the paint. No one wanted to come in the paint, so they made we made him shoot. And we were really good defending the perimeter. Worst field goal percentage was the next defense. Worst three-point percentage, next defense. They were the best defensive team last year, and it started with the center. So if Mitchell Robinson can't give the defensive output that Nerlens Noel gave, I don't want him starting. And again, with you, you talked about his offense. Neither of them are giving you offense. So if if one of them is going to play, I'd rather be the elite defender. Right. And I I don't need him running the floor in the alley-oops. I'm done with that flash. You see, it's funny. Everybody loves flash. That's the sports fan these days. Everybody loves it. You know, Kobe would be everyone's idol. It would be if Kobe in his prime when he was first starting out was around now, as opposed to when he came out in the mid nineties. I mean, it would be Michael Jordan wouldn't even exist in the eyes of a new age NBA fan, but it's not all about the flash when it comes to winning championships, the Clippers with their core for years in the 2010s, learn that lesson year after year. So when it comes to what wins championships, we've seen it grit. And that's something that I feel that these Knicks, forwards and centers can bring however i want to see ob toppin get a few more minutes and be tough what happens when julius randall when every team watches the tape from that atlanta series and goes okay let's take julius randall out of the equation for the first part of the season they don't really have anyone else that has proven in their front court that they can give them offense and that's something guys i worry about because if teams aren't watching tape on Julius Randle playing him, especially early in the season before the Knicks are forced to adjust to try to shut him out of the game. They're doing it wrong. I guarantee you that will be the number one priority is to keep him isolated out of the game. One last thing for me on the Knicks, uh, Justin, is, you know, I read recently uh, a really good comparison. Um, and I wanted to share it with you and Jack and, and see what you guys think. You know, Tom Thibodeau, Everybody knows the kind of relationship that Jimmy Butler and Tom Thibodeau had uh, in Chicago. And somebody made a a comparison recently that um, R.J. Barrett reminds them a lot of the kind of player that Jimmy Butler was uh, and that Jimmy Butler's breakout, even though he didn't average 20 points a year until his fourth season, that Jimmy Butler's breakout year was really his third year. Next year, going into... Uh, his third year is R.J. Barrett, and he's even better than Jimmy Butler was uh, going into his third season. So he's he's already made a huge jump numbers-wise from year one to year two. Uh, what kind of growth 
do you think we can expect from uh, you know RJ in year three? And what do you think of the comparison between him and Jimmy Butler? I wouldn't say that we're there yet. And I remember when Jimmy Butler first started out, I think that Jimmy Butler, I think that RJ is more of the, <laughs> I'm going to go in and use it for Jackson. I'm going to know what I'm talking about. I'm going to use the comp of Gary Cooper, the strong and silent type. That's what he is. He essentially is a silent, but deadly predator. You see the look on his face. You see the focus. You know the pedigree that he has with his family. Steve Nash is his godfather, which makes me nervous as hell that if the Knicks don't make him happy, he's going to go to Brooklyn and easily learn to be on the Nets and happy for the rest of his career. I truly worry about that, guys. But what I'm expecting from R.J. Barrett from a growth standpoint, look, for those that thought that he could become this number one option, this is not a situation where he can be. I don't think that he can be the featured number one option. I think when you have a team that has a lot of ball dominant players like Kemba Walker, Derek Rose, Evan Fournier, they're, they're paying him to take all those shots. He took a lot of great shots over the last number of years, which upped the percentage and made him more trustworthy. I think the biggest thing that RJ Barrett can provide, and this is where I think that the Jimmy Butler comp does hold a little bit of ground. I don't say it's like ridiculous, but defensively, R.J. Barrett is fantastic at switching off screens. He's quick. He's agile. It's one of the things that I think were underrated about him going in. Everybody was focused his rookie year on his offense, but the focus was always there. The switches were excellent. He's so quick on defense. So while I don't think offensively you're going to see the growth that maybe you saw out of a Jimmy Butler in those coming years, but defensively from a reality standpoint off the stat sheet, I am expecting this guy to become one of the premier defenders in the NBA. That's, I would, he definitely is a great defender to me, but I'm surprised you're not more excited about his shooting the way he looks. I just think they have a lot of options. Look, I'm, I'm excited, but he's not, it's hard for, it's going to be hard for him every single night to be the number two option. I think what RJ Barrett brings, which is going to be helpful for a guy like Kemba Walker his driving ability is incredible. I loved it. I know everybody was going gaga over the long-range shooting leading into the playoffs last year, but this guy has an incredible driving ability, and that's that's what I really love about his offensive game. He has no fear. He'll draw contact. It'll preserve someone like a Kemba Walker and maybe even a Derrick Rose if they can spend more time on the perimeter and not banging around in the paint like R.J. Barrett can do with his successful drive. If Zion Williamson didn't have the ridiculous freshman season he did, R.J. Barrett would have been the first pick in the draft. R.J. Barrett, we're talking about, we talked how how good his defense is. He shot 40% from three last year. Yep. He can slash just as good as any of the other rookies coming out of that class, Ja or Zion. Agreed. And he's a lefty. That can use both his hands. How how was New York not sold on this guy yet? How well, are you, these, see, like- you see you see who they added because here's what happened, Jack, and it and it stinks and it stinks the way that they're viewed like this because the Knicks weren't sniffing the playoffs since 2013. Now they're a fourth seed, home court advantage. People forget that they were begging that this team 
could even win 30 games, let alone be a top four team in the Eastern Conference. And I think people got greedy. Right off the bat, the Knicks showed tremendous improvements defensively. And when the playoffs came, I think a lot of people were let down that Atlanta had their way with the Knicks, and the Knicks could not really give them an answer offensively outside of Derrick Rose. R.J. Barrett was a disappearing act in the series. It's the same exact reason why people would get upset when Allen Houston was given $100 million. Because, yeah, he hit the shot versus Miami, and I remember him hitting a clutch shot in that same year against Milwaukee down the stretch to keep them alive in the playoff hopes in the hunt. But outside of that, Allen Houston stood in the corner. He didn't want any part of the final shot. They gave him 100 mil. I think when people look at R.J. Barrett and seeing how he didn't do a dang thing in the playoffs, look at how they built around him now. They brought other shooters on. They brought guys now on that are ball-dominant players. This shows that they don't believe that he can become that guy at least yet. Kemba Walker, if he lasts two years and then he breaks down, you know what? Maybe that's all someone like Kemba Walker needs and R.J. Barrett will be ready to elevate by then. But I feel that that's what the organization believes based off the pieces they added this offseason. Let me switch. Uh, I was going to switch the Nets too because I was we're, we're talking about R.J. and how he didn't get better in the playoffs. He definitely looked worse with the shooting. Joe Harris was a guy a lot of people got disappointed by last season. And if he doesn't make the playoff, if he doesn't make the playoff shots, he doesn't make the playoff threes, how valuable is he really? I can't hold that against Joe Harris. The roster got switched up on them. And you have players in and out and back in. And unfortunately, the players that he is competing with when it came to shots were players that will have the ball for the overwhelming majority of the game. I don't hold that fully against Joe Harris. I feel like Joe Harris saw a lot of inconsistency. He's filling in at different spots where we were just talking about an R.J. Barrett who had a very solidified, consistent role on a night-in, night-out basis. This team... By the time the playoffs were rolling around, the biggest question was this team barely played together fully healthy with their three big pieces fully healthy. How exactly can we view this team going in? So I don't hold that against someone like Joe Harris, whose role was changing constantly throughout the season. You know, I I look at, you know, we talk so much about the Knicks. You know, Brooklyn is, is such a favorite to not only win the East, but to win it all next year. And, you know, we look at all the little things that they've, that they've done this off season, uh, you know, and a lot of people like a lot of the moves that they've made, but Stephen A. Smith from ESPN has made some headlines uh, with his, you know, his, his, his basically saying that uh, the Knicks were looking to trade Kyrie Irving uh, for Ben Simmons. Now, whether or not, you know, this is just Stephen A. being Stephen A., um, I, I think when you're dealing with a Kyrie Irving, uh, who let's be honest, at best, he's a delicate genius. He's a great player, but he's a delicate genius. He's, he's a guy that, you know, uh, for all of his talent and for all of his success, you, know, you just always wonder, especially recently, if this guy's head is into the game, if his heart is into the game. Um, and I know that they're 
you know, I know that they're, uh, you know, KD said he, he's not, you know, that, that Stephen A's making it up and this and that. Um, let's just say for, let's just say for argument's sake, Justin, that this is actually a, a rumor, you know, that has some teeth. If you're the Nets, do you make that trade? No, I mean, are we, and I, I hate bringing this up, Heels. I hate bringing this up, but are we taking the current vaccination situation hanging over these athletes' heads into consideration as well? I'm not right now. At this moment, I'm not. You and I both know that that can all change on a dime. Yeah, exactly. When we get so, the- yeah, I, I don't know if that is the. Okay, I, so yeah. let's take that out of it because that, that changes the yeah, entire just let, Let's just say a face. Okay. Just at face value. If I, were- I think the, I think the Nets would be, I think getting rid of Kyrie Irving is smart. Trading for Ben Simmons would be moronic. This guy is a UFO. You don't know where he best fits. He doesn't have a post game. He's a great driver, but he doesn't have a shot. He can't even hit mid range jumpers. This is someone that you want to put on the line every single time. Yes. He's a good defender, but at the same time, you need in this day and age in the NBA, your guards have to have some kind of shooting ability, whether they dribble, that whether they drive and pass off and then try to get open at another end of the arc, they got to be able to hit some kind of knockdown jumper. And Ben Simmons can't do that. And being that they have Kevin Durant and James Harden, let's say we take Irving out of the equation, two guys that one of the two will have the ball in their hand for most of that shot clock, it kind of makes Ben Simmons ostracized because he's not going to have the ball because both of these guys Durant and Harden can create and Ben Simmons doesn't have a post game so you can't line him up in the post he'll get the ball taken away from him so I feel like while the Nets and any team should be looking to get out of the Kyrie Irving business I feel like trading him for Ben Simmons would make their situation potentially worse you haven't seen the videos of him shooting you know what jack let me tell you something jack you mentioned mitchell robinson before what was it a year ago everybody was going gaga a year or two ago that mitchell robinson in a gym was hitting three after three after three and you know what i saw that video and i said yeah well you know what let's see him hit a turnaround jumper from five feet out that will impress me you know freaking three-pointer i don't care in the gym shooting what i've seen is what i've seen on the court it's different. It's a different atmosphere than what you get in the gym. And let me just say this, Ben Simmons at this point, you can't trust him. And by the way, if he's someone that's really quitting on his team, we got to question his motivation as well. Any team has to that's trading for him. He would not last five seconds in New York. You can't bring a guy that's scared to shoot into the most ruthless city basketball-wise. We've seen some bad players here. Yeah, it's Brooklyn. It's Brooklyn. Nobody cares about the Brooklyn Nets. I, they could win five. <laughs> they could win five NBA championship. No one cares. Nobody. Because they all pick Brooklyn because they are mentally weak. They, you, you think Kevin Durant didn't? He even says it in the book. I just read that book. The the can't knock the hustle. He even said, "I don't want to be the savior of the Knicks." Yeah, because he knows if he goes to Brooklyn, nobody cares. It's right? it's not that because Dolan is a horrible <laughs> no but I, I i think that if you play for the knicks people actually care people actually watch the games nobody's no one no one is calling wfan to talk about the nets like it's almost like they they like pay people to do that yeah you unless know? unless unless evan roberts is hosting that's, well, that's about their only shot but there you go but even then like but even then like you know, it's like nobody it's the nets man 
Maybe if they win it this year, like people will, I mean, but most, let's be honest. I mean, Heels, base, Heels you write for base. a publication. You write for a publication. I mean, you're, you're an editor. I mean, do you, do you feel that if you cover stories about the Nets, they're not given nearly as much attention as even like a mid-range player on the Knicks? Absolutely. Wow. That's it's the truth. Interesting. I mean, I mean, I look, Jack knows, I will tell you, I, I'm a, I was a big Kevin Durant fan for a long time. And I think now Jack is more of a Kevin Durant fan than I am. Uh, you know, what do you think, Jack? I mean, you think I'm out of line? Uh, I, I'd say, I'd say you aren't as much of a fan as you used to be. Right. No, but I'm saying as far as the Nets, nobody caring about the Nets. I'd say a lot. It's like once they win the championship, everyone's going to care just because yep. people are like that. It's just like yep. that. Once they win, if they beat the Lakers this year, no one will stop talking about it. One, because they beat LeBron, and two, because they beat the Lakers' super team. Because they're building these two veteran. It, they, they are super teams, but like there's so many old guys that it's like, it's like whatever. Just build a retirement home for these guys. You got the 2012 All Star team: Dwight Howard, Marcus Soul. What are you doing? This is how Justin. This is how insane. This is how insane a Lakers Nets final will be in this house. That I will actually root for Carmelo Anthony and and LeBron James over the Nets. That's how insane that. I mean, I'll, I'll be, be honest with you. House. I'll be rooting for that team too. Actually, I mean, I hate LeBron James. I do not like. I I have never liked the guy. I don't. I'm just ugh and. Mellow. I'm on the other side with that. He'll see. Look, when it comes to LeBron James, I'm going to miss him when he retires. I am very fortunate that we've gotten to see this generation's Magic Johnson. He's a once in a lifetime player. And, you know, being who he is and the competitor he is and how many positions he can play on the court. I mean, he's a beautiful player. He's a great athlete. He's fun to watch heels. And I know, I mean, yeah, he's got a little personality and, I only wonder how much worse it would have been in the nineties if social media was a thing back then for those athletes. And I think that when it comes to LeBron James, a lot of people are jealous of him and I'm not saying you are or anything. I'm just saying a lot of people that I talk to, they're jealous of him because they think he's the best wanting to take him off the mountaintop. I'm going to miss him when he retires in about four years. That's I'm in the middle of two because <laughs> I, I've always been, I've always had a love hate relationship with LeBron because I love his game. And I like, he, he is, he's great. He's so great to watch. He's so fun to watch, but he has the worst fans to ever exist. They're the worst people alive. Like if, by the way, Kobe was a horrible teammate. Kobe was a horrible teammate to a lot of people. And, you know, it's one of those things where, he was always, you know, he wasn't like ask Smush Parker. He was a horrible teammate for especially the back end of his career. And you know what? It's one of those things that I don't think that that often is not held as much against him. And no, I just because he was a killer. He was a killer. You don't think LeBron has been a killer no. at times no. in his career? No. 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 What does that mean? No, not a killer. Not He's a never he's taken LeBron. over games before. I, no, that's but not in the same. That's different. being a killer. No, it's, it's different. Not. It's different. 
Being a killer right. is not letting anyone ever be better than you in a series. That's being a killer. Never letting anyone ever outscore you in a series a or even outplay you. Not a killer. I was in the I was in the uh, studio with uh, Scotty Farrell one night uh, on Sirius before I before I started doing a show on Sirius. Yeah, with me tonight is Mark yeah. Healy. Here, right. how are you shaking? Up? And and we were in the we were in the studio and we were talking about LeBron and and Kobe. We were having this you know and having this conversation. And somebody called in and said something along the lines of, you know, well, if Kobe Bryant and LeBron James played one-on-one, LeBron would win every time. And I'm like, well, who the hell cares about that? <laughs> I was like, who cares about I hate who, those arguments too. Who would yes. play one-on-one? I said, if you told me I could have LeBron James or Kobe Bryant, I'd take Kobe Bryant nine times out of ten. The only difference would be, um, you know, is if I, if I you know, if I believed that LeBron was going to be a player when, when he first came into the league, you know, where he was going to be like this, you know, you know, quiet pass, you know, pass first, you know, dominant offensive player, but always looking for his teammates and always trying to, but he, he morphed into something else. Uh, he is a great player, uh, but he, he, he cares more about his brand than he does about the game. I'm sorry. He does. Yeah, I know. Let's doubt a guy who makes, makes the finals year after year after year. It's the truth. I mean, yes. when you're so much better than everybody else, you should win more than he has. That's it. Wait, 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 wait a second. Wait a second. So you guys were just saying, though, that he's not a killer. Now you're saying that he's better than everyone else. Oh, he is. But that's the difference. You could be the best player. I mean, Carmelo was a, are you saying Carmelo was a great player. player. Not a and he's another guy. He just could, you know, he's, he's a, you know, it's a just killer. luck, man. A killer doesn't get outscored in the finals by a bench player. A killer doesn't shut down in the fourth quarters in the finals in his prime. That should never happen for a killer. You don't think that Kobe Bryant has ever had an off game where he on missed shots in the fourth quarter? And his prime, not in the final. I will literally go on basketball reference, and I will literally send you games, and then that will be the end of that. Because he's definitely had games, because everyone has games where they're let down in the, the fourth whole quarter. series? Yeah, dude. LeBron scored two points in the entire 2011 series, and his prime. Two points. You know what? Listen. People have bad quarters, and I bet you I can find a Kobe bad That's a whole series of fourth quarters. That's five fourth quarters, and you score two points, and you think this guy's the best player of all time? Whoa, 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 whoa. Hold on. I never said that. The argument is, is LeBron James a killer? That's what we're saying. By the way, LeBron or Kobe? Shut down in the fourth quarter. All right, but I just looked up. I just looked up the definition of killer. Sure. And – into google and it says kobe bryant it has a picture of kobe bryant i'm not saying kobe's not a killer but he's not the only killer <laughs> all right look lebron's a dominant player he's a great player but i i don't think he has the burning desire to win that kobe bryant has. oh my I don't. goodness I, i'm sorry we, I, don't. I know it's, i don't even this like is kobe. what this is about this is what other guys don't even about. like here you know Yes, this is what, listen, this is what sports is. It's a it's a back and forth. By the way, just for the record, because I don't want to deceive anybody, Michael Jordan is the greatest player of all time. That's, that's yeah, that's, there's, there's, there's no debate. There never has been a debate. It's not Larry Bird. It's not Magic Johnson. Michael Jordan is the greatest player. He's better than Kobe, much better than Kobe. I'd much rather 
have Michael Jordan than Kobe Bryant. I would take Kobe over LeBron, though. If that were me, if you if you and I were debating that, I would well, say. Well, there you go. You just made an argument. argument for us. Well, different players. You just made our argument for you us. You guys are not listening to me. I'm arguing about LeBron James being a killer. I'm not arguing about him being better than Kobe. I'm not arguing that Kobe's not a killer. I'm I, talking I about LeBron James either. specifically He's, being a killer. I would. I'd still say LeBron was not a killer. If you're comparing him to the fact that Jordan, I. When I go killer, when I'm thinking of killer, I think of Jordan. That's the – I don't even – Kobe does – I would put Kobe second because Kobe, again, you said he did have moments against the Pistons where he folded. Jordan never faltered in his career other than that one moment when he first came back. Every single time he it, it came down to it, fourth quarter, big series, Jordan was your guy. He hit the shot. He made the plays. That he, There's never been a time where Jordan didn't step up to the moment. Yes, actually there was, and you probably won't remember this, but Mark Healy will definitely remember this. The 1980s version of Michael Jordan tried to be too much of a one-man show and the Pistons clobbered him and he wasn't able to get over that hump. And one of the things, and I don't even think this was mentioned in the last dance, I read it somewhere, that Phil Jackson threatened to start taking his minutes down if he didn't start utilizing his teammates and then the 90-91 Bulls were run like a completely different team than the year before. He was still putting like yeah, he yes, he definitely struggled, but he would never he never got he would never get shut down. He would he still put oh, three games. He got heels. Come games. on, heels. Where are you, well, Mark? Thirty a game against the Pistons. Mark. All right, Mark. It's not all about the stats, Jack. It's not. But you're telling me a player's getting shut down while averaging thirty a game. That Mark. Help me, Mark. Come How do you on. average you 30 games get shut down? Mark. How do you You're on your own, Justin. Oh, on Mark, own. you know what, Mark? You know and what? Getting- this is my last interview on with you, Mark. If you can't play it neutral and you can't admit that in that series, Jordan got his face stuffed into the hardwood. There's getting shut down and there's not there's playing bad. There's playing sloppy. Yeah, he played bad. He didn't pass to his teammates in a team-oriented game. That's playing bad. And I'm telling you, what would you rather? A guy that stopped shooting? A guy that stopped shooting or a guy that tries to put the team on his back? You don't I understand. Think, if I think it's detrimental that, to the team and they figured you out, you got to do something else. Who was he going to pass the ball to? Who was he? Scotty Pippen was there. He was averaging 10 a game. It That's doesn't like, matter. You need to find someone yeah. else when your player is getting knocked to the floor every time. I'm, I'm, there's, there's, I'm loving this. You guys are getting me hyped up for my show. I love this. <laughs> I, I think that that Detroit, um, I think the Detroit Pistons series that Justin is talking about, you know, I watched it and, you know, those were the bad boys. You know, that was a team that, you know, really kind of, I, I think that the best thing that ever happened to Michael Jordan was those those Pistons teams because it, it just basically, it, it, it got him to the point where maybe it was Phil Jackson getting in his head. Maybe it was being pushed around uh, by the likes, likes of Rick Mahorn. Um, but it, at, at the end of the day and losing to a guy like Isaiah Thomas, who, you know, let's be honest, you know, people think of Isaiah Thomas now as a bumbling fool as a, as a front office guy, but he was a great player, a yes. great player. And, but he was also a very cocky player who, 
most everyone outside his team hated his guts. So, you know, when you're a young guy like Jordan and you get pushed around, uh, that steeled him, I think. And that's when he, why he became such a dominant winner, such a dominant killer, you know, six-time NBA champion MVP. Um, you know, I, I think that's what made him. I don't think LeBron has made that same journey. I think LeBron has gone from team to team in search of, you know, let's be honest, he'll always be in Jordan's shadow. I mean, he made a stupid Space Jam movie because Michael Jordan made a Space Jam movie. I, I you know, the, the LeBron James is a guy that, you know, just has, like when Jordan was compared to, when, when, when excuse me, when, when Kobe was compared to Jordan, you know, like he didn't let it rule his life. Like he just went out and played and, and, and played hard. And, you know, yes, sometimes selfishly, but I, I saw him beat a Celtic team that I loved by himself. Like, yes, he had Paul Gasol, but I mean, it was all Kobe. He just took over that finals. I've never seen LeBron do that by himself and win. I've seen him do it by himself and lose, but I've never seen LeBron. I've never seen LeBron like that. Maybe, maybe I'm biased. I'll, I'll be perfectly, you know, happy to say that I'm biased, but you know, I don't even like Kobe. <laughs> I don't even like the guy. I don't think I ever rooted for him in my life. Right. But right. It's just at the end of the day, you're right. Jordan did get pushed around by the Pistons. But I, I think that steeled him and that made him, that took him from a, being a great all-star to the best player in NBA history. I think that experience, I don't see LeBron taking any of the experiences uh, that he's gone through and becoming you know, that, that Terminator kind of a player. I just see him trying to run it back with a, a different group just so he can, you know, build his brand. It's just a different kind of feel. He's a great player. I'm not going to say he's not, but I'm, I'm not going to light any candles when he's gone. You know, I'll just find another guy to root for. I hear you. And plenty of people do not like him. And trust me, I have these arguments all the time and they're fun. That's why we do this. Yep, and that's been another great episode on the Gotham Sports Machine. <laughs> Thanks for coming on, Justin. This will be my last episode, probably. <laughs> See you later. <laughs> no, absolutely yeah, always, not. Always great, great having you on. <laughs> Love talking basketball with you. And I'm sure we'll be doing this again soon. Thanks so much, guys. Thanks, Justin. <laughs>